y'all. Welcome back to the Live Bay Podcast. I'm your host, Kerwin. Welcome back to my little space where I take up space in this little section of the internet. Today's episode is dedicated to Garner's Garden. Garner's Garden is a black-owned skincare and hygiene product company. They sell everything from clays to oral health products, hair, body creams, and hi- uh, I was say hygiene products, duh, uh, creams, body creams, soaps, and more. Uh, <laughs> my favorite so far are the oxypulling uh, solution that they sell. So if you don't know much about like oil pulling, it's basically when you swish around like an oily substance in your mouth. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but bacteria doesn't thrive in oil. So when you do that, your mouth gets cleaner. It makes your mouth cleaner for like the brushing part of your oral hygiene routine. So yeah, I've been using that in addition to their mouthwash. And I just tried their powdered toothpaste this morning. So I don't really have much to say yet about that. Um, because I just tried it this morning, but my breath smells great, so I guess that's it. <laughs> I also use their vitamin C facial serum at night for my skincare night routine. Um, it just leaves my skin feeling very just like rejuvenated, moisturized, hydrated in the mornings. Like it feels really great. Um, I also tried their 30 day natural, what is it called? It's like the 30 day natural skincare system. So I've been using that for a couple weeks now, and I mean, I think for me it takes like three to four months. I would say like four months to really see results, Um, but I don't have any like complaints as of right now. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So if you're looking for like a little skincare, a little, I think it's a great intro to skincare routine, and you just buy the entire thing and they just ship it to you. So I think it's a great, as a certified esthetician, I would say that this is a pretty good, actually, no, I'll wait until my four month period of using it before I say that. Cause I've only been using it for a couple weeks. I just haven't seen any, I haven't had any complaints yet. That's what we'll say. But yeah, surprise. I am a certified esthetician. Eh. Um, I also buy their argan oil and I use it on my hair. And then I also have some of their body scrubs as well for self-care days. Um, they also sell like lip balms, face oils, face washes, mouthwash, beard butter, beard oil, aftershave for women and more. Um, again, this is a black owned business. As you can tell, I spend a lot of money with them. (laughs) Um, I've been buying from them for a few months now and everything like everything like shows up, arrives really fast. And I have no complaints about the company. Um, I love the products. It's very good quality as far as I'm concerned. And it's a little bit more natural than the stuff you would like buy at like the regular grocery store and stuff. So if you guys are interested, definitely check out garnersgarden.com. And then also, I think they're just Garner's Garden on like Instagram and I'm sure other places too. So yeah, checking them out. I'll also leave like a link to the website in the episode details. You know how I do. So yeah. Um, we have a word from a sponsor that we can just like get into it. What is colorism? Colorism is the differential treatment based on skin color, especially favoritism towards those of a lighter tone, lighter skin tone, and mistreatment or exclusion of those with a darker skin tone, typically amongst those of the same racial group or ethnicity. Um, I saw two videos on colorism that I thought were very good. And if you're interested in learning a little bit more about colorism, I highly recommend T. Noir's uh, video on colorism. I'm going to link 
it in my like little description box in my podcast for you guys. And then also Khadija Mbawe did a very well-researched, it's cited. You can take a look at all her sources and everything where she got her information from, but she does a very uh, thorough like video essay on colorism um, on a bunch of different racial groups. So I, I enjoyed the video. I learned a lot. Um, and I just think if you're someone who maybe doesn't know about colorism and like the effects on like people of color, specifically when it comes to colorism, this might be the video for you, or these might be the videos for you to kind of learn more about that. So today we're talking about the book, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bonnet. It was one of my favorite books, my favorite reads of 2020. It was a very good one. Um, I devoured it in like two days. It's about 360 pages. I could not put this book down and I can't wait to like tell you guys about it and get you guys excited to read it. So yes, we're talking about The Vanishing Half by Britt Bonnet. Um, The Vanishing Half follows two twins, two twin sisters, Desiree and Stella. So Desiree and Stella are born and raised in Mallard, Louisiana, which is a fictional town, by the way. And Mallard, Louisiana is very interesting because it only, only light skinned black people live in Mallard. They believe that the lighter the skin, the more they could attain this idea of being the perfect Negro. I say that in air quotes. So that right there starts you off with some themes of like colorism. So we'll talk about Desiree. Desiree is outspoken. She's louder. Um, And as she grew up, she married a dark-skinned black man. And then she had a very dark-skinned child named Jude. Um, She came back to live with her mom in Mallard after a disagreement and after suffering multiple times of physical abuse by her husband, Sam. So she moved back to Mallard. And I believe she moved to D.C. and started a new life with Sam and Jude and then moved back to Mallard. And then Stella was quieter. She was exceptional in school, especially in math. And I remember she was super, like, devastated when her mom told her that she had to quit going to school to help her make ends meet so they could keep up with the house and keep groceries flowing in, that kind of thing. Um, So then Stella is the twin that decided to live her life as white passing. So she lived her life as a white woman. Um, And she got married, and her husband didn't know. And um, something that jumped out to me about Stella. She had this, I think it was a quote straight from the book, actually. So she said, sometimes when her husband touched her, she saw the man, she saw the men who violently murdered her father. Now, their father was murdered by racist white men. They, like, busted through the door, and the twins saw it. I think they were watching it from, like, the closet or something. And, like, the twins saw them being dragged out, saw their father being dragged out, and I believe that they lynched him. But I believe that's what they did. But he got murdered by them. And so that, when she said that, like, when she, when her husband touched her, she saw the men who murdered her father, I was just like, this is, this is wild. But that's your husband, right? So I was like, this is, this is crazy. This is wild. I can't, I can't even. Um, so, yeah, Stella was constantly worried that Loretta, I'll tell you who Loretta is in a bit, Uh, Loretta especially, but her other neighbors would find out that she was actually black and just passing for white. So she was always kind of like living in fear. Um, And there was also a quote in there where she said that she sacrificed for a daughter who could never know what she had lost, a whole identity. So and she was like estranged from her family at that point. She like did not talk to her sister or her mom anymore. 
So now let's talk about Loretta. So Loretta, I believe, I think Loretta was my favorite character in this book. Um, so yeah, Loretta was Stella's black neighbor. Um, she was fabulous. She has great taste. Um, she's, you know, a very strong woman. And Stella said that Loretta really reminded her of Desiree. It was just like her spirit, you know, her strong, her strength, all of that good stuff. So now let's talk about Stella's neighborhood, though, because this was like a huge part for me. So, okay, so let's talk about the the neighborhood that is predominantly white. It's only white, actually. They live in Los Angeles at the time. I believe this is like in the 70s. 60s or 70s at this point, I think. And so it's all white neighborhood. They're all rich white people. And they get they catch wind that a black couple is moving into this white and wealthy neighborhood. And so the white people in the neighborhood freak out. Um, but before we get to that, they the neighbors, the white neighbors would say things like, oh, like, because they found out that the the black couple paid for the house in cash. And so they called them, oh, he's a different breed. And I have problems with people that say like, oh, he's a different breed. Because it's like at that point you're calling, you know, a rich black man a breed, which means that you're not seeing them as a human. You're seeing them as like a beast. So I was like, I had huge issues with that. Um, And then agreed. Oh, yeah. And so then some of like the Stella's white neighbors also like agreed with the ideologies of like Martin Luther King Jr. And they actually thought that he was a very impressive speaker, but also like they said that they wouldn't have sent a bullet into his head, but they still wouldn't have allowed that man and his family to move into their neighborhood, which was very telling. And then the white neighbors also were trying to come up with like tactics, I guess with like the the community to just be like, okay, well we need to, you know, we need to all threaten to move out so that they'll uh, tell the black couple that they cannot move in because all of, you know, then the neighborhood's going to go downhill, stuff like that. So they were, like, conniving. They were, like, plotting. They were just, like, we cannot have them move in here. It's going to take the whole neighborhood down. Blah. So, yeah, that was crazy. And then I want to also talk about Stella's husband briefly. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Stella's husband, um, and I forgot his name. I think his name was like Bill or Bob. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but yeah. So I want to talk about this one instance in the book where he was watching. I think this was right after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, I believe. Or it might have been about civil rights. It might have just been like some protest in the civil rights movement. I forgot what it was. And he was looking at the TV and he was just talking about how all these Negroes were destroying their own neighborhood because they were protesting to get rights, to have rights and be treated like a human, like to have basic, basic human decency, like the bare minimum to live. Um, and that really reminded me of last summer with the resurgence of like Black Lives Matter and the protests that went on and how there were some people that were just like, oh, well, like they're looting and they're, you know, destroying our businesses and blah, blah, blah. But it's like also there's an injustice going on. So people are going to take to the streets and they are going to, you know, they're being peaceful. They're doing what they need to do. You know what I'm saying? So like that was like a direct, that was like a huge parallel for me, that part of the book. I don't want to go too, I'm trying to keep it kind of vague-ish, but kind of like entice you a little bit because everybody needs to read this book. But anyway, moving on. We are going to talk about Adele now. Um, Adele was Stella and Desiree's mom. So 
Adele raised her daughters to avoid dark-skinned boys. Um, she would say things like, boys like that don't want anything good. Um, and she also said this, which was like, I was like, damn, Adele. Uh, she said, want, um, <laughs> so this is in relation to dark-skinned boys or dark-skinned men. They wanted to give it to a white girl but couldn't, so they thought a light girl was the next best thing. And so a lot of people in the town of Mallard thought that, like, people with dark skin uh, were ugly, basically. Like, the skin was ugly. It was like a stain. And then also um, I saw it as, I read it as they thought that dark skin was also very predatory, especially with the quote about, you know, they're trying to get, trying to get a white girl, couldn't do that, so they're going to try to get a light girl now. And I was like, ooh, yikes. So, yeah, every, Adele included thought that black, uh, darker skin meant trouble, basically. So now we can talk about my other favorite character in the book, which is Jude. I really enjoy Jude's character a lot. Um, so, and I, I just enjoyed her entire, like, story arc. I guess her character build. Uh, I just really enjoyed Jude a lot. So Jude is Desiree's daughter. Um, so we, we say how, well, I said earlier that she... She and her mom moved back to Mallard, which is a town full of light-skinned black people. Jude, if we remember from earlier, is a dark-skinned girl because her father was dark-skinned. So she is a very dark-skinned girl. So she had to go to school in Mallard since they moved back. Um, and she was bullied a lot for being dark-skinned. Um, you know, she was called things like Tar Baby. And, you know, the kids at school didn't believe that, like, when they saw her and her mom, they were like, that's not your mom. You're too dark. Stuff like that. Like, kids are really cruel. So, like, when they were saying that thing, when they were saying things like that to her, I was, I like, I felt for her. I was just like, I can't even. Like, that's that's wild. I was like, she's trying to tell you that they're like, oh, yeah, this is my mom. And they're like, nah, you lying. That's not your mama. So, I, I, I whew. Also, quick thing. So, in the book, there was a part where the mom goes, well, maybe he likes you. Little boys act real mean to girls they like. Um, and this was in addition to Jude telling her about all the teasing and the bullying and things that she kind of endured from the kids. I really, I don't know if parents are still telling their kids this lie, especially their little girls, but I would really just love it if you would stop saying that. Um, <laughs> because that is an awful way to think about things. Like, if someone is not treating you well, that does not mean that they like you. Like, if someone does not respect you and give you, like, the basic, like, things, like mutual trust, mutual respect, they do not. That's not it. So I would really love for us to stop being like, oh, like, when boys do that, they're, like, actually, they really like you. That's not true. And that has been a big thing that I personally have had to unlearn in my adult life. And it was not fun to unlearn, but I am, like, doing the work, you know? I'm doing the work. So Jude also talks about how she does also remember the physical abuse between her mom and her dad. Um, and she also said that like her dark skin alienated her and made her feel very alone uh, in Mallard. So yeah, um, Jude has, Jude, this, all of the characters in this book was written beautifully, but Jude and Loretta for me, those are my girls. So Kennedy now. Kennedy is Stella's um, baby girl. And the the themes of, of Kennedy. Um, I also really loved how 
I don't love Kennedy as a, well, this is hard to say. I liked Kennedy's character and, and what she makes you think about as she goes through her life. Um, as she deals with like her white privilege, but we really realize that this is light skin privilege, but she doesn't know that she is biracial, right? So, you know, she wanted to be an actress. Her father called her like the wild child. She just like wasn't interested in school. She loved partying, all that good stuff. Um, and she also said that in the book, she had no sense of self and didn't know, didn't really know who she was. And it was because her mom, Stella, didn't really open up to her about things. Um... And there was a part in this book where Jude and Kennedy are talking and they're at a party or something. And Kennedy tells her, she's just like, oh, like your men usually don't like the, oh yeah, your men usually like the light girls, don't they? And she was saying that in in the relation to Jude's partner at the time uh, because Jude was very dark and her partner, I'm assuming was not very dark, but I, I actually can't remember what Reese was. Also, I really loved Reese. Oh my goodness. I'm not talking about Reese in this episode because you have to read about Reese yourself, but yes, loved Reese, loved Jude. Oh my goodness. Okay. But yes, so that was just like, it wasn't even like a, I was going to say backhanded compliment, but it wasn't even like a compliment. She was, it was just like a direct, like insult basically to Jude just being like, Oh, like you're so dark. How did you get someone so handsome to love you? As as though, like, looks and physicalities are the only thing that matter when you're picking a partner, because it definitely is not. But even the way that Jude was written, I could tell that Jude was very beautiful. So no matter what, no matter what tone she was, I could tell that Jude was very beautiful. She was one of my favorite characters to read about. And I loved Jude and Reese's relationship. And that's all I will say. So yeah, Kennedy was given whiteness, blonde hair, you know, a pretty face, and she was able to sob out of speeding tickets and flirt her way into like second chances, that kind of thing. That was also kind of a direct quote from the book as well. Um, But yeah, Kennedy as someone who is, we'll say biracial because she is, but she just like doesn't know that for the majority of the book. So there's, there's a lot of really interesting things that happen to Kennedy And, like, there's a lot of shitty things that she, you know, that she might do. And I'm not saying that they're okay, but also, like, she didn't really know who she was um, either throughout her entire life, basically. So uh, that's all I can say without, like, spoiling everything. But, yeah, um, when it just comes to Mallard, basically everyone in Mallard just said attractiveness equals light skin, basically. And dark skin was very, you know, it meant trouble, it meant predatory, it meant ugly. Um, But yes, that is all I'm going to say about The Vanishing Half. Um, This book was fantastic. It talks about racism, but it takes it a step further and it explores colorism within the black community as well. Um, And it also explores white privilege, but also light skin privilege as well. So I just, baby, I, I enjoyed this book thoroughly it is definitely I'm not gonna read it once a year or something but like I'm definitely going to reread it again one day because uh very much so enjoyed that book and also before I get done talking about this book I just want to also say that I I think that it's so easy to see Stella and even Kennedy right as you know villains in this book uh 
you know, that you're going to be like, oh, I hate this character. Like, I can't believe she lied and she did all this and she's living her life as a white woman, even though she's black, blah, 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 blah. But please just try to keep in mind, especially in this time period, that white people were just treated better. I mean, <laughs> that's been, that's history. White people always been treated better and they have always had nicer things, especially at this time, like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they just had nicer things. They had, a, they had more access than us. And, you know, Stella made that conscious choice to live this way. And, but she also had her own internal turmoil and anxieties because she was basically hiding who she was every single day. And if you know anything about like watering yourself down because of your environment, you know that that takes a huge toll on a person. So before you read her for blood, just kind of try to see if you can see where she's coming from. But I understand because when I was reading this book and some of the things that she was doing and I was like, oh, okay, I don't know about this, Stella. But yeah, also give that same grace to Kennedy if you can, you know, if you can. But yeah, that is The Vanishing Half, basically. Now let's move on to the music segment. Okay, so our first album this week is Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels, obviously. I enjoy that project from top to bottom, from start to finish. Thoroughly enjoyed the entire project. Love all of like the tales and like interludes between the songs. They were very impactful. Um, and I especially loved hearing Ari Lennox on this album singing and doing an interlude. interlude. Um, I want to know who the person she was like referring to is, but we'll never know, unfortunately. And my, I think my favorite interlude on this project is Antoinette's tale. I think that we all need to be reminded that as women, that we are very sexual beings as well, and that we do have agency over our own bodies. And I think that is important that we remember that, especially if we are navigating, you know, the dating relationship space. And even if you're just single, it's just important to realize that like your body is yours and it's okay that what you decide to do with your body. So yeah, honey, this whole thing was very good. Um, please listen to it. I don't really know the names of many of the songs yet. It's still new. It came out January 8th, 2021. 14 songs, 32 minutes, 21 seconds. I love all the interludes. Just like listen to it all in like one sitting and just sit with the music. Jasmine Sullivan looks, or she sounds amazing. And I've been seeing some of her visuals on YouTube as well. And she she sounds and looks stunning. So I just, I'm here for this whole Jasmine Sullivan thing. I don't think I've actually listened to a Jasmine Sullivan album since uh, I think it was her first one in 2008. I think that was her first album with Lions and Tigers and Bears and Break the Windows at Your Car. Like, those are, I've, I feel like those are, like, musical classics, honestly. Those were great songs. So, yeah, um, very much so love Miss Jasmine Sullivan. I might also go back and just, like, kind of see what I've missed in her discography as well because I haven't listened to, like, a full J Jasmine Sullivan album since 2008. So, like, there's some things that I missed, obviously. So I'm going to get back into that. Next up, we have Sampa the Great. I forget, I forget how I found Sampa the Great, uh, but there is an album called Birds and the Benign, and Benign is spelled like B-E-E, -E, and then the le the letter nine. What? The number nine, so Birds and the Benign. Um, some of my favorite tracks on that are Healing, Healer, By River. Let's talk about By River real quick. By River is like, it gives you spoken word, it gives you lyricism, it gives you a twerk moment, if you choose to take it, 
it gives you like a little dance moment. Um, it just, it gives me very like queeny vibes. Like just, I'm a queen and like, I want to listen to the song. Like I love this song so much. Um, it's, it's a very good song. So by river is, is my jam. I have had that song on repeat for a very long time, more times than I'm willing to admit, honestly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, can I get a key is also a jam. Can I get a key? I was like, Woo! can I get a key? Yeah. Like that. Ugh, love that song. Uh, also karma, the villain. Karma the Villain is such a great, such a great track. It's like, it's very like moody. It's just, it's very like, I can see Sampa's like personality really coming out in the way that, in the way that they just like express themselves on that song, like a huge fan. And also just like, aside from like actual like, or I guess like the music itself, I also really like a lot of like the track titles, like Karma the Villain, like, I thought that was, like, a great track title. Um, protect Your Queen, hello. Yes, Protect Your Queen. And I Am Me, like, I just, hello. These 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 track titles I'm here for. Um, I can't wait to explore the rest of her discography even more. Um, this particular album, Birds in the B9, came out November 10th, 2017. So it's an older album, but still slaps. Um, it's 13 songs and it's 50 minutes and 12 seconds. I think she has a couple albums that have come out since then, but I do, yeah, I just need to kind of explore her discography a little bit more myself. And I'm excited to do just that. Next up, we have Diana Lopez. That's Diana with two N's. Um, she has a song called Date with the Moon, which is a very like, I feel like it's like a very like, west coast like cool girl vibe but it's very like chill like i really enjoy the song um what i've been doing i've just been letting her discography just play so i don't really know any uh, <laughs> know the name of any of her other songs really but i was just like listening to her discography on repeat and i really enjoy it i was just like okay um another thing i want to start doing too is um actually focusing more on like the words in songs uh, because I realized that like sometimes it's really it's really easy to get like into a beat, into like a melody, and then you realize that you're kind of saying like some messed up stuff. So it's like I'm I'm really I haven't actually been trying, but it's something that I've been thinking about doing. I'm just like I need to start looking up lyrics and um, just like connecting with the music more, seeing like you know reading articles about artists and things like that, other musicians and like what they do outside of music or is music like their whole life or whatever like. I really want to get more into that. So yeah, I have not done any research on Diana Lopez, but I've seen her little picture on Spotify. She looks stunning and she sounds amazing. So yeah, if you're interested, check her out. Also, I have revisited a very, it's not a very old album, but it's an older album. Um, I revisited Disclosures. I think this was their first album, Disclosures album Settle. And this had the song Latch on there that no. Nah, Yeah, see, do you see how I don't know the words to that song? So, yeah. But was that song still a jam? Yes, it was. So, yeah. Um, I love that album, actually. I have a lot of really good... I have a lot of favorites on that album. First of all, when a fire starts to burn, that is my jam like it just it for me it ages very well it still like makes me want to dance I still like I mean I know the words to that song because 
literally the only words in that song. It's when a fire starts to burn, right? And it starts to spread. Yeah, like <laughs> that's really like what the song just says over and over again, but it's the beat for me. It's, it, I can see that it has like house music influences as well. That's why I really like loved this album, but like this song specifically, it's a great song. Latch, obviously with Sam Smith was like a very popular song. People played it all the time. Um, and I know why it's it's a classic song. Like it's a very good song. Um, F For You is also really good. They also have a version with Mary J. Blige on it, which is also very good if you love Mary, if you love Mary J. Blige. <laughs> and then um, White Noise. White Noise, White Noise. Yeah, that's, that's a, another dance anthem. Um, Defeated No More, Defeated. No more. Ugh. That, oh, yes. And then stimulation. Yes, stimulation is my jam. So yeah, if you have never heard stimulation, go ahead and get your life. I, I just made your day better. You're welcome. Stimulation is such a great song. And it just like, I think that's how the song starts. I think it's just like a beat and then she just goes, stimulation. Yeah, like, whew, it's a very good song. Voices is really good. And then another one of my favorites is You and Me. That's my jam. Um, I remember where I was when I heard that song. Actually, that's a lie. Because I thought I heard that song in college. But uh, this album came out June 3rd, 2013. So I would have graduated from college at that point. So was not. I, did, I don't know when I heard that song. <laughs> don't know. Uh, I probably, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I discovered this album. Oh, I know how I discovered it. Uh, I was always listening to Latch, and I was like, let me check out this album. And then I loved it. So, yeah, June 3rd, 2013, 16 songs, one hour, nine minutes. This is a very good album. This is one of my favorite albums, I would think. Definitely top 100 albums. Hello. <laughs> uh, probably top 50. I would say maybe top 25, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I have never, like, put these albums in, like, I've never, like, num like itemized my list or, like, num numerically put things in a list as far as best albums for myself. I've never done that before. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. I also revisited Tame Impala's song, The Less I Know, The Better, and also Eventually. Um, I totally forgot about those songs. I was in the shower and Eventually came on, and I was just like, Eventually. Yeah, it's just both of these songs are really great for singing really loud in the shower, if you're into that. Also, I would say The Less I Know The Better is also a really great like skater skater jam. If you got roller skates, rollerblades, whatever, if you do your little your little skating at the park or whatever in the rink, I would say that that's a very good skater jam as well. Eventually, it's just like six minutes of, five or six minutes of just awesomeness in a song, really. Um, eventually is probably one of my favorite um, Tame Impala songs. So yeah, I really love that song. And it came on the other day and I was like, oh my goodness. So also, some songs that are new to me and that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, All My Girls Like to Fight by Hope Tala. Um, I actually discovered Hope Tala on TikTok, not through her. I don't know if, if she makes TikToks or not, but some people on TikTok used to do these things. They'd be like, oh, PLC musicians, like you need to know. And so like I... Looked her up, and I really like this song she did called Everywhere. Um, it, I love that song. Yeah, I think it's so good. I like her voice. I like her whole vibe. Um, so, yeah. But All My Girls Like to Fight. Like, the title alone makes me, like, excited. Like, I feel like a fire inside myself. I'm like, yeah, 
All my girls do like to fight. So yeah, love that. And then I Want War But I Need Peace by Caliucci's. You know I love me some Caliucci's. So yeah, this song I actually knew about a long time ago, but I kind of forgot about it. And then it played on like some random playlist and I was like, oh my goodness. And it like transported me and like put me in a mood. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, like that. I want war, but I need peace. I was like, oh my God, Caliucci's. So yes. That is a vibe. Please go listen to that song. Also, a newer, I don't know if it's a new song, but it's called Kismet by Ivy Soul and Yoji. I think that's how you say it. But Kismet is K-I-S-M-E-T and all the letters are capitalized. Um, it also has a, the track starts with James Baldwin talking and I was like, okay. I can dig it. But yeah, the beat is great. The lyrics, as far as I can... I tried to listen to the lyrics of these songs too. So yeah, this the lyrics were good. And I was like, okay, like I can I can mess with this. But yeah, it's a very chill vibe. Uh, it gives me very much so like I'm about to roll up this blunt and live my life vibe. So yeah, love that. Um, also, this song was huge on, uh, on TikTok. It's called Space Girl by Francis Forever. The song is so cute, and it's just so, like, it makes you happy. It makes you want to do, like, a happy dance. That space girl. Don't know the words to the song yet, but, um, yeah, it was huge on TikTok for a while. Uh, Francis Forever, I just followed them on Instagram. They go by they, them. Um, Those are their pronouns. So I was like, all right, I can dig it. And then there is also a song called I Can Show You High by... I believe this is Ufe, U-F-F-E, but yeah, this is, it's like, it gives me very experimental, very chill, experimental vibes. It's, it's, I really like it. Yeah, I I really like this song. I think it's, I think it's just great. Uh, People might like it, people might not like it, but I love it. So if you're interested, go ahead and check it out. And then there's a song called If You Only Knew by, I think it's called Savannah. I think she's Savannah. It's S-E-V-A-N-A. Beautiful visuals for this song. I discovered this song on YouTube, actually, and the rest is history. So, yeah, Uh, very good song. She also has a really great song called Blessed. And I would say definitely listen to Blessed. Blessed is one of those songs I think it's meant to be kind of like a, man, maybe not like a religious song, but maybe like a spiritual song, but like, it definitely, like, it slaps. I was, like, I was listening to it and I was like, hmm, yeah, but like, it really slaps as a song. And I think you can kind of use that song as like an affirmation too, because like the chorus of it is, I am blessed. And then like, oh, what is it? Yeah, it's like, I am blessed and like, oh, you know what? You can look it up. But yeah, <laughs> it's a great song. I have been using it for affirmation purposes and I sing it really loud and I feel good when I sing it. Um, it's a great way for me to pr- help practice gratitude in my like spiritual practice. So yeah, I love the song. And then there's a song called Jill Scott by Alicia Keys featuring Jill Scott. It's such a mood. It's such a it's such a classic. Um, I love Jill Scott's like spoken word moment where she's just talking over the beat. And I just, I just, I love Jill Scott and I love her voice. And, um, I also have not listened to an entire Alicia Keys album since like 2001, since Fallen. Um, but I know a lot of her jams and stuff. I just, I just haven't listened to like an entire Alicia Keys album since like 2001. 
Um, I think I tried to listen to her newest one. I think I have to like sit with it again and just see, you know, what's good with it. But it wasn't bad. I just don't really remember it that well. Okay, so I got two more songs. Stick with me, y'all. So Amphetamine by Smino. I love Smino. Um, uh, Amphetamine is my favorite song by Smino. It is nine, I think it's like eight to nine minutes of just like awesomeness. It's, it's, it's eight to nine minutes of just good music, of just vibing. It has no name on it. And a few other people are on the track too, but um, I love Smino. And um, if you have not heard of Smino, you are in for a treat. Go ahead and look him up. It's S-M-I-N-O. Um, yeah, but he's from the Midwest and I'm, I'm a fan. I don't know, I don't think he's from Chicago. I think he's from St. Louis actually. Yeah, so he's from the Midwest. And then there is a song called Diamonds by Sam Smith. Apparently it came out last year and I never heard it, but I really like it. It's a bop. Um, I was looking at these lyrics too. I wonder if I still have them pulled up. Oh, oh, do I? Oh boy. Yes, I do. So yeah. Um, here, we'll, we'll read some lyrics so you can see how sassy this song is because um, I've been out here belting this song and I don't care who hear me. Let me see. Let me see. Yes. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to read some lyrics to y'all. My diamonds leave with you. You're never going to hear my heartbreak. Never going to move in dark ways. Baby, you're so cruel. My diamonds leave with you. Material love won't fool me. When you're not here, I can breathe. I said, Whoa, what a mood. What a mood. Like when you're gone, I actually breathe easier. Goodbye. Like when I, I was like reading the lyrics yesterday and I was like, oh yeah, like this is, and when it got to that, when you're not here, I can breathe. I said, oh, Sam Smith did not come to play with us with this jam. So yeah, I really enjoyed this song a lot. It's called Diamonds by Sam Smith. Um, I, I don't think I've listened to a Sam Smith song or album since his first album. I don't know if he's had other albums. I'm sure he has. So maybe I should go and revisit this album and the one before it because uh, these lyrics, they got me. So yeah, next up, we have the TV movie segment. All right, y'all. So this month, I was watching Bling Dynasty on Netflix. Bling Dynasty is basically about a bunch of rich Asians, crazy rich Asians, basically, that live in uh, Los Angeles, I believe, and they just have all this money, and we just see them like live their lives. And it's I thoroughly... At first, I was like questionable about the show, because I, I mean, you know, I love to see people spending their, their money. And it's, you know, most, whatever. Yeah, I like to see people spending their money. So I was like, all right. But then, like, some of the, some of, like, the the storylines were, got a little shaky at, like, at, like, the beginning. And I was like, I don't know if I want to proceed. But I'm really glad I did. And I actually, like, finished this. I actually finished this um, show in, like, one day, which is not normal for me. I don't usually, like, binge watch shows. So, um, but I do just want to preface it by saying that I was doing something while I was watching it. So it wasn't like I was just like, I had nothing else to do and I was just watching shows all day. No, like <laughs> definitely was like multitasking and watching it. But like some of these storylines were bomb. So I looked it up on my computer. So let me kind of go through some of the people for y'all. So first let's talk about Kevin really quick. So Kevin is this guy who, you know, he grew up in Philadelphia. He was adopted. He grew up in a very loving family. 
Um, you know, he, he grew up on the East Coast, moved to the West Coast, and he is a model, but he, you know, is not as rich as the people that he hangs out with, um, but they still, like, support him and love him as a friend and all of that good stuff, which I thought was great. Um, but he is kind of like us at the beginning. He's, you know, we're seeing him and, like, him talk to his friends and they're like, oh, yeah, I just, like, dropped a million on this or I just dropped, like, you know, 5000 on a purse or whatever. And he's just, like, on a purse. And he was, like, saying how his his rent was, like, $1,000, you know, and all that good stuff and so yeah, um, Kevin for me, at first I really liked his character, but then like towards the end, I got kind of annoyed with him only because, so we're going to talk about Kelly in a minute, but he had a crush on Kelly and Kelly had a, Kelly had a boo. She, you know, she, was she in a healthy relationship as far as I could see from what Netflix was showing me? It looked very unhealthy. It looked very toxic. But again, we're not with them 24 hours a day, so maybe that could have been a thing for the show or whatever. But, you know, Kevin really, like, let Kelly know that, like, he was interested in her and, you know, they would make a good match. But I also thought that, like, that was kind of, like, he was kind of, like, overreaching a little bit because I'm like, okay, but, like, she has a man, so I'm going to need you to back up. And so then, spoiler alert, when Kelly was single for a minute, um, he like went for her and he was just like, yeah, like, you know, I, you know, I love our friendship, you know, and I want us to remain friends and stuff too. But he was like, I want to see, you know, if stuff is there, blah, blah, blah. And like, um, you know, when they have like those, those moments when they're like talking to the camera in like a room by themselves, like he, he, he just like annoyed me sometimes when he was like talking about Kelly, he was like, oh yeah, like, you know, this is, these are my moves with women and da, 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 da. And he was just like, you know. Me and, me and Kelly need to have sex and da-da-da-da-da. And I was just like, okay, like, you need to chill, Kevin. So, like, at first I really liked Kevin's character. And then, like, towards, like, whatever, like, he just, I don't know. He was, like, all up in Kelly's business. And I was like, you don't have to. I was like, you know, first of all, the girl is fresh out of a relationship. So, like, she was even saying it. She was like, you know, think, you know, she loves somebody. She loved the person that she broke up with. And, you know, they were in couples counseling and all that good stuff. So, like, she needs time to heal before she can, like, truly move on. And I was like, the best thing you can do, you know, in those situations like that is be their friend and be there for them when they need you. You know what I'm saying? And check on them and whatnot, too. So, like, I just feel like Kevin could have did a better job there, but it's fine. So, yeah. Then we get into Christine Chu and Dr. G, and they had Baby G. Now, Baby G is a star. I'm, you know, Baby G is a star. So I, I loved Baby G. I loved his little outfits. Like, I was a fan of Baby G. Baby G for life. So, yeah. But, yeah, Christine was a very interesting character. She loved to, like, name drop. She definitely loved, like, the good life. You know, she lived a good life with her boo, which is fine. Um, But, yeah. Christine, I enjoyed her. I mean, I guess not enjoyed her story because it was kind of sad, too. But I thought her story was very interesting about how her in-laws were pressuring her to have a male heir so that he could take over the family business once he got older. And she was just saying that, like, her story, trying to get pregnant with just one child, took her, like, 10 years. And her in-laws were super toxic to her about it. And they were just like, oh, like, you can't give us this one thing and stuff like that. So, I mean, shout out to Christine for, like, you know, giving birth to baby G, the most fabulous baby, and just, you know, being fabulous and all that good stuff. She was a little extra, obviously, but, you know, and she seemed to be kind of people-pleasy at times, but I can relate. So, you know, I can't relate to her 80 million, 
but you know, eighty million dollars that she's worth. But um, I can just relate to you know having people pleasy tendencies. Like that's it's 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 hard out here sometimes. So I think one of my favorite characters was Kane. Um, I really enjoyed Kane's character. Kane is a Buddhist. He has all this money. It says here that he's worth $20 million, which is crazy. That's great. I think that's great. But he's very well dressed. And I just love to see rich people who also like are very spiritual and rich people who also, um, or I should say wealthy, wealthy people, um, who also just, yeah, they have like a spiritual side and they just like, they care about others. They're not just like all about it just for like appearances. Like sure, he like loved to like stunt on the gram too, but like it was really great that he was like trying to get balanced as like a person and you know, inner peace it seemed like too. I just, and it was nice that we got to see him kind of practicing his Buddhism as well. And, and he got to talk about like what that meant to him. So yeah, so he's worth 20 million is what I'm seeing here. That's great, that's crazy. Um, so Anna, Anna was a very interesting character for me. She was very shady and I was here for her shady moments. Like I said, not her inviting Christine at 9 PM when the party ended at 9 PM. I said, oh, that's shady. That's very shady. But yeah, Anna is very rich. It says here that she is worth $600 million. Um, but I love that what she was saying about just like, you know, don't let the shoes wear you. Don't let the car drive you. Like, you know, she was really focused on like having fun and just like really living life and all of that good stuff. So I really thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, she was just, I think she was one of the most interesting characters on the show. Now let's talk about Andrew and Kelly for a minute. Like, honey, they stressed me out. Andrew stressed me out because I was not expecting... I was not expecting that from him, that behavior from him based on the first episode um, and how they like introduced their relationship to the show. Ooh, my computer is getting hot, honey. Okay. Ooh, wee. Hold on. Let me try to turn this. Oh, geez. My computer is getting hot, so I'm going to close it and move it over. I don't know if y'all can hear this, but I'm going to move that over. But yeah, so Kelly and Andrew, um, they were a very interesting couple. Um, so we see Kelly and Anna, they went to a, they went to Paris together and Andrew came to, he like did that for her birthday. He was like, oh yeah, let's, let's charter this jet and like, let's, you know, get Anna to take us to Paris, blah, blah, blah. And so they get to Paris. Andrew was hella tired. So he went to sleep, but Anna and Kelly are, yeah, Andy, Anna and Kelly were up. So they were like, girl, we about to go shopping. So, you know, uh, Kelly was like, well, let me let Andrew sleep. And we're going to go out. We're going to go shopping. And so Andrew calls Kelly while she's out with Anna. She puts him on speakerphone because she's like, oh, I'm just, maybe I'm just about to, you know, tell him where we are so we can meet up or something like that. That's what I was assuming because that's what I would have did. And so he calls her and is like screaming at her, calling her stupid, saying he hates, you know, saying that like, you know, she was so inconsiderate for leaving him in Paris by himself and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, why is he being so extra? So... I already I hated Andrew and I was like okay well <laughs> but yeah we we would see like parts of their relationship where they were like in in couples counseling and like it was very kind of emotional seeing them both um in the seeing them both with the couples therapist and um the the couples therapist asked him to leave so he could just talk to, so so that she could just talk to Kelly and Kelly was just like yeah like 
I'm going to pack a bag. I'm going to get home, pack a bag, let him pack up his stuff, and he's going to have to move out. So, you know, whatever, whatever. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. And then, like, at the end of the show, spoiler alert, <laughs> we see Kelly, like, go back to Andrew. And I was just like, oh, no. But, you know, we've all been there. So, you know, and those are those are hard patterns to get out of. So I'm not here to judge. So, yeah, and then I also want to, like, briefly talk about Sherry real quick. Cherie, I think that was her name, Cherie, and whatever her husband's name was. I forgot her husband's name. And how she had two babies by her husband, and he would not marry her. He he didn't propose. He didn't seem like he was going to propose. And so she took it, she took it upon herself to propose to her husband in front of people. And, I like, for a second, I thought he was about to be like, nah. Because <laughs> I was like, ooh, like, I wonder if he's going to be like embarrassed that, like, she just like finally was fed up and was like, I'm about to propose to you in front of all of our, all of our friends or whatever. So, I mean, for Bling Dynasty, I would be very interested to see a second season. Uh, do I think I'm going to binge watch the second season in a day? Don't think so. But I would be happy to see another second season or or a second season, period, for that. So, yeah, that was. That was Bling Dynasty, basically. But, yeah, I I enjoyed it. It was, you know, it was a wild ride. It was an emotional roller coaster. But it did have some very relatable um, relatable problems that young people and older people go through. It was just, it was a nice mix, I'll say. So, yeah, I really did enjoy the show. Um, a few other things I've been watching. I'm still watching The Bold Type. Um, I'm on season four. It's the last season. Um, so I think I have, like, four or five episodes left and I'm just like, I'm trying to savor each episode because I'm just like, I don't know when they're going to be able to shoot this show again. So got to savor the flavor, I guess. So I've also been watching the Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, I didn't know that it was on Nickelodeon. And I also didn't know that it was like a, you know, like a fun show. It's a very good show. I thought it was going to be like more serious. It definitely has, like, some serious parts, but for the most part, it's very, like, lighthearted. And it also has, like, really good messages, too, throughout the entire show. So I'm on the second season right now, um, and I really like it. I really enjoy Aang's character, and I really enjoy Katara, and I just love seeing, like, all the airbending moves. Like, sometimes I'll be in my house, like, moving. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm about to move this air, but not really because I'm not a bender. But, yeah, I've been really enjoying that show a lot, and, like, the episodes are, like, 20 minutes, so I'm just, like, this very... That's very, like, manageable for me, for television, because, honey, I can't be watching these shows that are 45 minutes long, hour long, and there's nothing going on. Now, if you if you got an hour-long episode of a show and it's, like, you know, twist after twist or, you know, there's, like, constantly something going on, I could do that. But, you know, you're trying to give me an hour filler content, I'm not going to accept that. So, goodbye. So, yeah. <laughs> And then I've also revisited the show Easy. Um, Easy is one of my favorite shows on Netflix. I kind of, I usually put like episodes on for like background noise or something, but um, it's a show that's based in Chicago and it basically just explores different relationships between different people. So there are themes of like polyamory, queer couples, first time parents, choosing your passion over your person or your person over your passion. And just when old flames resurface and much, much more. Um, I always rewatch the first season, um, which for, I mean, there is some diversity in there definitely, but yeah, I could, it's definitely more of a like white dominant, predominantly white cast, but there are like some 
there are some like people of color in there. So it's, you know, it's apparent that they are trying because I was like, you can't show Chicago without showing like the diversity and the inclusivity. So I'm like, those things don't work. So there's three seasons of the show, but I usually just go to the first season. Um, the second season was kind of weird, especially like the first episode of the second season for me. I have to go back and watch the second and third because I think the second and third seasons, though, have more people of color in each episode and like people that are acting like main characters, I think. So I have to go back and like revisit those. But I usually just revisit the first season whenever I turn that show on because I really like it. Some of my favorite episodes in the first season are... I think it's, I think the first one is called The Fucking Test. I think that's what it's called. The first episode of I, whatever it's called or The Test or something like that. And then there's another one. What's it called? Utopia is a really good one. And then um, what is it called? Vegan Cinderella. That's one of my favorites. And there is an episode that they did all in Spanish. And I think it's called Controlada, I think. Um, but that's also a very good episode. Highly recommend. Um, but yeah, I just recommend the entire first season. And then if you really like that, continue to watch the second and third if you feel up for the challenge. But yeah, I really like it. So I've been revisiting that a lot. And then one last thing. Another book that I read this month was All About Love by Bell Hooks. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think that's, for me, this book is going to be one of the books that I read once a year. Um, I highlighted a lot of things. A lot of things really resonated with me, especially in the chapter about how children receive love from their parents. Uh, that chapter for me was huge. Um, I had I made a lot of notes and I took a lot in and it was not easy to read, um, but it was it was beneficial to read. It, it, it was very rewarding to read. So yeah, I really enjoyed that book. Um, another big theme that I learned from that book though, was like, I learned the difference between like being like loving someone and being in love with someone and being emotionally attached to someone and it feeling like love, but it isn't love. So, uh, that's really helped me. I think like, as I, as I start to get, whenever I start to get back into the mindset of like starting to date again, um, this is like a book that's really helped me like set my foundation and it also kind of helped me like come up with a few boundaries around like me and like what I'm going to accept and what I'm not going to accept from a partner so yeah um been very very much into all about love by bell hooks oh one more thing I lied sorry one more thing I am also reading um the game of desire by shan booty uh she is shan booty on on YouTube, but her name is Shan Boudrum. Um, she's been on YouTube for a long time. I would not consider her a YouTuber though. She is a sexologist. Um, and she's a sexologist that's like 30. So like, she like really knows about like sex and like relationships and, you know, attachment styles and things like that. Like she really like is very, her knowledge is very vast. Like she knows a lot about these kind of things. So, um, I've been diving into her book, making a lot of notes and I'm you know, doing all of this so that whenever I do decide to start dating again, I'm going to like have my priorities straight this time. And I'm already going to, you know, come in strong with like, okay, well, like this person doesn't hit this, this, this on my wish list of like characteristics that I want to find in a partner. So guess what? They're not the one. So yeah, 
I have been reading a lot. Um, I've actually been trying not to watch too much TV, just, um, but I don't think I have been. I think like the Bling Dynasty was like, <laughs> that was a fluke. Cause I, I don't know. I was like, I had something to do. So I was like, okay, let me put this on. But, um, but yeah, I've been just trying to watch a little bit less TV and just like read a lot more. Um, I've been reading a ton of romance this month. And it's been really great to see because I've been reading a lot of romance with black protagonists in it and uh, black protagonists that know how to that are successful and know how to communicate their feelings and also know how to communicate their boundaries. And that's been like huge for me. So, yeah, cannot wait to keep reading and living life and doing okay. Um, I hope you guys are doing all right. I know we had a rough start to 2021. Um, I am a firm believer that 2021 actually starts February 1st, so let's go with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, thank you so much for coming back. Um, if this is your first episode that you're listening to by me, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys listening, and um, I'll see you guys next month with a new book and some more recommendations, and again, I can't thank you guys enough for listening. I'm going to say thank you one more time. Thank you so much. Okay, Uh, I'll see you guys later. Bye.